You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Often are we too amazed when we realize the works of the Lord? When we're going through a situation, when things are happening to us, and all of a sudden we look back and we see God's hand on the situation. How often are we amazed? Wow, you were there. You were right in the middle of that situation. You worked it all together for good. You worked everything out. Wow, how did that happen? And instead of trusting in the Lord at that time, we look back on it and we go, wow, we're amazed. When's the last time you were truly amazed by God's magnificence? Have you ever taken the time to step back and take in everything He's done? Today, Pastor Dave wants you to know that you must always rejoice in the blessings that God has brought into your life. It's not by your power, but by His perfect grace. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 12 as he begins his message, Who's that knocking at my door? Today's title is, Who's That Knocking at My Door? We're going to be in Acts 12, verses 12 through 17. So when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a girl named Rhoda came to answer. When she recognized Peter's voice because of her gladness, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. But they said to her, you're beside yourself. Yet she kept insisting that it was so. And then they said, it's his angel. Now Peter continued knocking, and when they opened the door, they saw him. They were astonished. But motioning to them with his hand to keep silence, he declared to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, go tell these things to James and to the brethren. And he departed and went to another place. So did you hear about Edna? You hear about Edna? Edna was a lady who was in dire trouble. She was in dire trouble. Her business had gone bust, and she was in serious financial trouble. She was so desperate that she decided to ask God for help. Must have been desperate, right? She begins to pray, God, please help me. I've lost my business, and if I don't get any money, I'm going to lose my house as well. Please, please, Lord, let me win the lotto. Lotto night comes, somebody else wins. Edna again prays, God, please let me win the lotto. I've lost my business, I've lost my house, and I'm going to lose my car as well. Lotto night comes, Edna still has no luck. Once again she prays, my God, why have you forsaken me? I've lost my business, my house, my car, my children are starving. I don't often ask you for help, and I've always been a good servant to you. Please, just let me win the lotto once this time so I can get my life in order. Suddenly, there's a blinding flash of lightning and clap of thunder, and the heavens opened, and Edna was confronted by the voice of God himself. Edna, the voice spoke with a loud voice. 
Please help me on this. Meet me halfway. Buy a ticket. (laughs) Maybe Edna had the same problem that those in the church of Jerusalem who were praying for Peter had. Maybe they were similar. She cried out to God for help. Her prayer was an earnest, heartfelt prayer. Maybe she knew that God was able to help her, but maybe she didn't think he would. There's a difference there. In his book, Praying Revival, Leonard Ravenhill says this, quote, Often we hear in prayer, thou art able to do this, that prayer is a very good prayer for the person praying, but, and this is important, to say God is able is not faith. Here is a simple but imperfect picture of our lack these days. He goes on. I myself believe that God, who once turned water into wine, is able to turn into pure gold the desk on which I am writing. It's 60 inches by 34 inches. What a wonderful slab of gold it would make. What good outlets for money which the gold would bring to me. But here is where I fail. I do not have the faith to believe that God will turn this desk into gold. My theology says God can do it. But on the faith end, I fail. I have said before that one of these days, someone will read the Bible for the first time, believe it, and act on it in a daring and simple faith. Then we, long-time believers, will bow in shame, crying, Lord, help our unbelief, unquote. This might be happening here in Acts 12. The church is in continual earnest prayer for Peter. And as they've gathered together in one accord, they're praying with agony, with straining, it says. They're praying vehemently, and their prayers were fervent prayers. In fact, in our study last week, God answered their prayers, and he answered them in an amazing way. He sent an angel into the prison where Peter was being held. And we read as the chains that were binding Peter's hands just fell off, and Peter was able to walk out from between two guards. We were amazed when Peter stood before the iron gates of the prison and they opened automatically and he walked his way to freedom. What an amazing story it was. And all along, Peter was dazed and thought it was a vision or a dream until he was free because we read in the scriptures where we left off in Acts 12, 11, and when Peter had come to himself, he said, now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from the expectation of the Jewish people. Peter realized what had happened. He probably was overcome with thanksgiving and amazement. He now realized that it was the Lord who sent the angel and actually delivered him from his prison, delivered him from bondage, delivered him from his cell. How often are we too amazed when we realize the works of the Lord? When we're going through a situation, when things are happening to us, And all of a sudden, we look back and we see God's hand on the situation. How often are we amazed? Wow, you were there. You were right in the middle of that situation. You worked it all together for good. You worked everything out. Wow, how did that happen? And instead of trusting in the Lord at that time, we look back on it and we go, wow, we're amazed. Little did those who were praying for Peter know that Peter was free. Peter had been released. He was walking out out of prison with the angel. They were walking down the street. What were these people doing? But they were in constant prayer, it says. They were praying for Peter's deliverance. And you know, they probably were hiding too because they were worried that the same thing that happened to James and Peter might happen to them. Remember, James was killed by the sword. 
Peter was in prison. They didn't want to get thrown in jail. They were worried. They were afraid. So they were in hiding. You know, Scripture doesn't tell us how long they were praying. We're not given that information, but we do know that they prayed consistently without ceasing. That's what Scripture tells us. That's what their prayers were. And as we begin today's study, Peter is standing in the middle of the street, and he's all alone because the angel's gone. And he was thinking about what had just occurred. Can you imagine that? Being dazed and being let out of prison. Being dazed and chains falling off. Walking into an iron gate and have it open automatically and you walk out. And there's someone with you and you're still dazed and confused. And all of a sudden, the angel leaves and you go, wait a minute, what happened? What was that? What's, What's going on here? I get a similar picture in my mind of the two wonderful disciples walking on the road to Emmaus. They were dejected. They were hurt. They were discouraged. Why? Because Jesus had been crucified. And all of a sudden, this person starts walking with them. Well, how you doing, guys? Nah, we're not doing real well. Why? What's wrong? What? You a stranger? Haven't you heard? We, we thought we found the Messiah. We thought we found the one who was to come, and they crucified him. They killed him. Have you not heard what the Scripture says? From Genesis all the way through the book, Jesus tells them about how he appeared and all these things. And they're amazed at this wonderful Bible study coming along. And all of a sudden, they said, Stay with us. Have some supper with us. And they sat down, and he broke bread, and he was gone. And the Scripture says, didn't our hearts burn when he talked to us? Didn't our hearts burn? I think that's what Peter's feeling right now. Peter is feeling such an amazement. He's considering, what happened? What's going on? He's standing in the the street all by himself. The angel is long gone. He's like, wow, wait a minute. Lord, what happened? We read in Acts 12, 12, as we begin our study, and when he considered this, that's what we were just talking about, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname is Mark, where they were gathered praying. He considers what was happening. And he wants to go now to the meeting where they're praying and tell them the glorious news of his deliverance. He wants to share with them the encouragement because he knows that they'll glorify the Lord and this will greatly encourage their faith. Peter knows that. He probably knew exactly where to go. And he knew where his brethren would be held up, and he probably surmised the fact that they might be doing. He goes to the house of Mary, the mother of John Mark. Now, those of you that don't know, we're going to be introduced to John Mark. He becomes a fellow missionary with Barnabas and Paul. He gets a bad rap about this missionary experience and eventually causes a rift between Barnabas and Paul that is so big that they separate. There's contention there. John Mark goes with Barnabas on a missionary journey. And we think that this contention was so big because Paul is mad. But in 2 Timothy 4, verse 11, Paul in prison specifically asks that John Mark would be sent to him. And he says this, because I consider him useful for the ministry. Pretty neat. And finally, we know that John Mark was the author of the Gospel of Mark. So the Lord works in mysterious ways. So Peter knew where they would be. And he probably knew what they would be doing, but he wanted to get there and give this exciting news. Their prayers were strong, as we noted. We've been talking about the way they've been praying, vehemently praying, their fervent prayers. I can imagine all these people sitting together praying. Go with me there, if you will. Probably some of them were praying that Peter would have the courage to die a proper death. Someone might be saying, oh, Lord, give Peter the strength to face his executioner with glory, and and you would be honored. Just like James did. Do you know that there's a tradition in the old books that were written? It's not in Josephus, but there's a tradition that says that the guard who took James to the execution was so moved by James' witness, so moved by the Holy Spirit, that he accepted the Lord right there on the execution stand and was beheaded along with James. So maybe they were praying, be like that, Peter. 
Be like that. That's the witness you should be. Maybe some of them prayed that Peter's witness would go far more than that, reaching the government, reaching the officials that were in charge. I don't know. And I'm sure there were some of them in there who dared to step out in faith and say, Lord, you delivered Daniel from the lions. You delivered David from Saul. Now, Lord, please deliver Peter. Don't let him die like James. Of course, we do not know what they prayed, only that it was done in earnest and great straining. We can only surmise that maybe this is what they prayed. But this was a heavy-duty prayer session. They were concentrating on the Lord. They were seeking them with their whole hearts, crying out to him with their entire being. They had no idea that Peter was freed from prison. They had no idea. He, at this point, as they were praying, was making his way to the very house that they were at, but they prayed steadfastly. I love this. I love this. In the midst of their prayers, a knock came to the door. What follows is a story of joy, confusion, and humor. I believe the Lord has given us a sense of humor. And if we use it appropriately, it can ease tensions. It can make us feel better about a situation. It takes away the heaviness of the burden sometimes. I believe the Lord has given us a sense of humor. I myself enjoy a good sense of humor. I like to laugh and I like to joke around as long as it's holy laughter, as long as it's in the Lord. I don't like the coarse joking and stuff like that we have to avoid, as Scripture says. But I believe we need to be very, very careful. Scripture says as Peter knocked at the gate, a girl named Rhoda came to answer. So they're all praying at Mary's house. Let this set this up for you. They're all gathered together, and they're crying out to the Lord. There must have been children there, but it doesn't seem to say where the children were. They weren't in the midst of the prayer, but they were there. Maybe they were in another room. But one little girl, Rhoda, and the translation is Rose, she hears the knock at the door, and she goes to the door. She opens the door, and the Scripture says she recognized Peter's voice because of her gladness. She did not open the gate, but ran in to announce that Peter stood before the gate. She didn't recognize Peter's face. Maybe it was dimly lit. I don't know. Maybe there wasn't enough light out there. She didn't see who it was, but she heard his voice. She recognized his voice. She must have heard him preach. She must have heard him pray. She must have been around because she recognized his voice. Anyhow, she recognized this. And, you know, she probably heard the prayers of her parents. She probably overheard the prayers. Oh, Lord, Peter's in prison. Free him, please deliver him. So when she sees Peter there, she's excited. She's, wow, there's Peter. This is it. This is him. And immediately she runs and turns and leaves Peter standing at the door. She doesn't unlock the door. She gets so excited to see Peter there knocking at the door. She forgets to unlock and let Peter in. Imagine Peter's reaction. Hey, Rose, yo, Rose, you didn't let me in. Come back, Rose, please, please. And she runs off to tell mom and dad. How many times have you witnessed this? Come on. How many times have you witnessed a parent coming home from a long trip, somebody coming home from the military or something like that, comes to the door, the door is locked, knocks on the door, and a little one comes to the door, looks out. <gasps> They're so excited. and turns and runs. Mommy, daddy, mommy, daddy. And running. You're still standing there at the door. Wait a minute. You're supposed to open the door. That happens all the time. Come on. This is nothing new. So little Rose is so excited that Peter's there. They didn't have surveillance cameras back there, but I would have loved to see the look on Peter's face. Yo. So little Rose runs into the prayer meeting, and she announces Peter's arrival. This didn't go very well with the adults. I mean, after all, they were praying for Peter's release. They wanted a miracle. Little did they know that the miracle was standing at the front door, standing out there knocking on the door, waiting to be let in. Look at the response that they gave to little Rhoda. They said to her, you're beside yourself. They basically told little Rose she was crazy. You're crazy. Get out of here. Go away. We're paying for Peter. But Peter's at the front door. Go away. We're praying for Peter. But Peter's at the front door. You didn't hear us. Please obey your parents. Go away. We're praying for Peter. I love this. But little Rose was persistent. 
It says, yet she kept insisting that it was so. So they said, it's his angel. Huh? Must be an angel. His angel. Did they think Peter already dead? Now, not really. You see, back in those days, it was very, very common for the Jewish people to believe in guardian angels. So somehow they thought that this was Peter's guardian angel coming to the door. I don't know where they're getting this, but it's pretty humorous to me. Let me ask you this question now. As these believers prayed, did they believe God was able to deliver Peter? And if so, did they believe God would deliver Peter? There's a difference. There's a difference in believing that God is able to do something and believing that he will indeed do something. There's a difference here. But as usual, God has done his part. God did his part. He answered their prayers. He acted on their behalf. And lo and behold, Peter was freed, freed from the hand of Herod. Now, as usual, the Lord is asking for them to do their part. The Lord is always asking us the same thing. We believe. He wants us to trust. He wants us to believe in him. This is where our faith falls short sometimes. God can do the impossible, but we need to believe that he will do the impossible. Sadly, we must face the fact that even in the midst of most fervent prayer meetings, sometimes the spirit of doubt and unbelief happens. We become like the father who cried to Jesus, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Saints in Jerusalem believed that God was able to answer their prayers, so they kept it up all night and day. But when the answer to their prayers stood at the door and knocked, they refused to believe it. God honors prayers. We see here that God did what he intended to do, regardless of the faith of those who are asking. I love this because this just proves the faith movement. The faith movement says that if you ask something and you have enough faith, it'll happen. And if it doesn't happen, oh, brother, I'm sorry, you didn't have enough faith. Well, I don't see some masterful faith here. I see small, weak faith. These people obviously were praying people, and they longed for a miracle. But when it occurred, they had trouble believing it. Wiersbe said, God graciously honors even the weakest faith. How much more would he do if we would really trust in him? Trust in him without question. We fervently pray for the conversion of a relative, and when it happens, we think it amazing. Why? It's what God does. What's amazing is our slowness to believe God's ability and his willingness to answer our prayers. What I learned from this story is the power of fervent, heartfelt prayers, even when there is some doubt, is far greater than all the power of all the kings and all the wealth in the world put together. God answers prayers. We've quoted this scripture before, James 5, 16, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. God is able and will answer our cries. The interesting note here is that the one who believed immediately was a little child. Was a little child. When she came and she saw and heard Peter's voice, she recognized him, and she went back to tell the gang, Peter's here. She believed. Jesus said in Mark 10, 15, Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. Whoa. Childlike faith. Oh, that we would all be little children and we all would have that type of faith to believe in God. As we continue in the story, we look in verse 16. It says, now Peter continued knocking. And when they opened the door, they saw him and were astonished. I'm sorry, but I'm stuck on the word they. And my humor is starting to tickle me. They opened the door. 
I imagine this great crowd of people. You've seen the cartoons where all of a sudden everybody's moving at the same time. I imagine this great big herd of people all walking to the garden together, and they get there, and you go, you open it. No, you open it. No, you open it. You all open it, and they all kind of reach together. When they open the door, do they all peek around the door at the same time? I mean, that's what I'm getting here, this whole crowd of people. It says, they opened the door, and they were astonished. Oh, my gosh, it's Peter. Oh, my gosh, it's Peter. I have a question. When they said this, was little Rose standing beside them? And they said, oh, my gosh, it's Peter. And she go, duh. I don't know. Doesn't say. But their excitement must have been quite noisy because Peter shushes them. He shushes them and says, but motioning to them with his hand to keep silent, he declared to them how the Lord had brought him out of prison in Acts 12, 17. Everybody must have been speaking at once, and there was all kinds of joy. There was all kinds of excitement. They were all just really tied up in this, and they were so excited. What an encouragement when someone gives us a praise report about answered prayer. I love it when someone during the prayer time, when somebody on a Wednesday night says, I have a praise report. It's such an encouragement. I'm a journaler. I love to write journals. And in them, I record prayers. I will pray for somebody, and I will write the prayer out and stuff like that and pray certain things. One of the most encouraging things for me to do is every now and then open through those journals and go back and go, wow, God answered that prayer. You know, I see the prayers that God has answered throughout the time that I've been praying, and it's encouraging to me. Praise reports are so encouraging. Peter knew this. Peter wanted them to know God has answered your prayers in a big way. Here I am. Wow, what an exciting time. What an exciting time. Peter says, go tell these things to James and to the brethren. Wait a minute, I thought James was dead. No. This James is the half-brother of Jesus. He's now the leader of the Christian church. You can find out in Acts 15, 13, Matthew 13, 55, and Galatians 1, 19. This James, the half-brother of Jesus, is also the author of the book of James that we have in our Bible. And when we finish verse 17, it says, and he departed and went to another place. No one knows where Peter went after this, except for a very, very brief appearance in Acts 15, Peter walks off the pages of the book of Acts and he makes room for the Apostle Paul and the rest of the book of Acts is about Paul's ministry to the Gentile church. In 1 Corinthians 9, 5, though, it does tell us that Peter traveled in ministry with his wife. And in 1 Corinthians 1, 12, it even suggests that Peter visited Corinth. This is just an aside, though, and I want to show you this. There is absolutely no evidence that Peter ever visited the church of Rome, let alone founded. There's no evidence of that. If Peter had been in Rome, Paul likely would have never gone there because Paul, according to Romans 15, 18 through 22, never went to where the apostles were. He always went where they were not. Had Peter been there, Paul surely would have written about that in his letter to the Romans and said something of that. There's no evidence that Peter was there. We do have Peter's two epistles, and many, many believe that the gospel of Mark that I talked about earlier was actually Peter's gospel. Many believe that he dictated to Mark, and Mark wrote it down. So we have this amazing story of prayer and answered prayer. What an amazing story this is. You are You've been listening to A Sure Hope Radio with Pastor Dave. Pastor Dave comes to us from Calvary Chapel, Cape May, in Cape May, New Jersey. 
In today's message, Pastor Dave is in the book of Acts. In this book, you'll hear about many people who had been eyewitnesses of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. They were now going to tell others about Jesus, and many were coming to a saving faith. If these disciples were just following some flash-in-the-pan rabbi, they wouldn't have been so eager to risk their lives for the sake of telling about this good news. No, it's because they saw it lived out, and they saw the greatest miracle of all happen, Jesus dying and then rising again. What an incredible time to live. So when you're facing opposition and persecution for following Jesus, remember that these disciples did too, and they were willing to face the ramifications for such faith. If you're wrestling with what this means to have a saving faith, we'd love to seek God in prayer with and for you. You can email us your requests at info at capewatchradio.com. If you'd rather call, we can chat with you on the phone too. Our number is 609-884-5821. That phone number once more is 609-884-5821. Anything else you'd like to know about can be found on our website, assurehoperadio.com. We've come to the end of our time together for today, but we'll be back next time as Pastor Dave shares some more great things from the Bible here on Assure Hope.